Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Take your Bible tonight and go to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter number 6. I've been in the Old Testament a lot lately, and it's just interesting how through and through the things that were written aforetime, the Bible says they're written for our learning. And so I trust tonight that you'll come uh, anticipating God to speak to your heart. So we're going to read some scripture. We'll pray together. Again, church, thank you for um, the privilege of letting me be here tonight. Uh, your preacher, he's my friend. For a long time we've been friends, and I'm thankful for what God's doing through him in this place. And I hope that you love your preacher and you stand behind your preacher. I've served as an assistant pastor now in our church. I've started my 20th year of full-time ministry back in the fall of last year. I'm going to tell you what, serving under a preacher who travels a great deal and who's been there, uh, listen, they don't labor without burdens and without disappointments, without brokenness. And so I hope you understand, uh, you know, there needs to be some Aaron and hers in church that just get beside the man of God and hold his hands up and uh, love on the preacher. And I'm not saying that because he told me to. I'm saying it because I've ministered in a church. I've never been the, the pastor. And listen, uh, by the way, I don't have to be that. I try and be exactly what God wants me to be. I'm not looking to, you know, for the stepping stone of, well, what could exalt me. I'm just looking for, uh, man, the, the greatest potential for influence for God in my life. And if that's staying where I am for the rest of my life, that's what I want to do. But I want to be obedient. But you ought to get behind your preacher and love him and be faithful and I believe that you do that. And if you're not from this church, you ought to stand behind it. You're a man of God. And I believe that'll be a blessing. 2 Kings chapter number 6. And I want us to read a couple verses here. Verses 1 through 7 in our passage tonight. And again, um, don't let the familiarity of the text take you back. But uh, I ask the Lord if you would please to speak to you as we read the passage. The Bible says this. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell dwell with thee is too straight for us. He said, let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, go ye. And one said, be content, I pray thee, go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. And he went with them, and they came to Jordan. The Bible says they cut down wood. And uh, verse 5 tells us, But as one was fell in a beam, the axe had fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he, the Bible says he showed him the place. He cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand, and he took it. Father, I pray tonight that you take your word that is quick, that is powerful, that is sharper than any two-edged sword, and that pierces even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit. That means, Lord, the Word can get in our very, Lord, deepest, darkest parts, Lord, and penetrate our lives. And I pray, Lord, tonight 
that the Bible would penetrate our hearts, that, Lord, the Spirit of God would quicken our minds tonight, and that you'd help us to hear what thus saith the Lord. I pray that I'd be a messenger. I pray that I'd be a vessel tonight that you could speak freely through. I don't want to have anything that might grieve the Spirit of God. Lord, tonight, if there's anything that could be used as a hindrance in this service, would you remove it? God, so that you could get all glory in what's done. Lord, we come here seeking for you to do a work in our lives. That's what we call, Lord, revival. Lord, it's not a meeting. It's something that happens inside of the heart of a believer. And I pray, Lord, maybe inside of the heart of somebody who's not a believer that gets born again, would you revive us again this week? Would you do what we cannot do? Lord, if we could manufacture what we need, then we're wasting our time. We need a manifestation from heaven on this place tonight. God, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you do what I can't do? It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. And amen. Now, our text tonight, again, takes us back to a familiar place in Scripture. Um, the timeline of this is about the 8th century B.C. It's during the kings uh, when Israel was split into two kingdoms. You know that story. As a matter of fact, I was going to preach out of that tonight, but the Lord led me away from it. But in this particular passage, what we've got is Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and uh, that's how the passage unfolds where we are. Now, after the prophet Elijah, of course, if you know the name Elisha, you're familiar with the prophet Elijah. If you know him, say amen. Uh, what a great ministry God gave Elijah. Man, uh, what a great fiery man of God. As a matter of fact, what a way to go out in a chariot of fire. I mean, I'm telling you, if there's any way you could go, God, let me go in a chariot of fire. You're talking about uh, impressive, man. I mean, uh, and by the way, Elisha was with him all the way. And I heard, I heard somebody preach one time, thought it was a great message, said Elijah got carried away. And talked about how we ought to get carried away in the Christian life, but he literally got carried away from this world to the next. And a great influence in the life of Elisha. Well, here we see in 2 Kings 6 that Elisha has a school. And he has a school for the purpose of training young men for the ministry. I just want to say this to you. His influence mattered to him so much that he wanted to make sure that he was influencing the next generation for God's glory. And I'm going to tell you, Elijah invested in him, and so Elisha realized God's given me influence, and I want to use it to help somebody else. I want you to realize something. You have influence tonight. It's not the message, but you need to realize that. In your life, you're influential. As a grandparent tonight, you've got influence. Man. Uh, you know, oftentimes my kids, of course, they're a little bit older now, but, uh, you know, it used to when we'd come around, uh, my in-laws didn't care anything about seeing us. You know, my parents didn't want to see me. They wanted to see the grandkids. That's all they cared about. You know, we were, I was pretty much dead to them after I had kids. I was like, why are you here? Where's the grandkids? And so, but we have influence. Parents are influential. Hey, uh, wherever you work, you have influence. We ought to, it ought to be important to us that we use that to invest in other people for uh, the glory of God. So the place here where they were serving, the Bible says this, they'd outgrown it. By the way, that's a good problem to have. There's growth going on here in this passage. And they said, we want to go to Jordan, and we want to build a place to accommodate their growth. And so the Bible tells us in verse 2 and 3, Elisha gives approval, and he said, you guys go do it. He said, I'm going to grant you permission to go. And here's what they told him. I love this. And sometimes we read the Bible and we don't understand what's going on. Verse 3, one of them said this. He said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I'll go. 
You know what I enjoy here is that these guys thought so much of Elisha, they said, hey man, would you go with us? We just want to be where you're at. We want your influence to be uh, on our lives. We want your spirit to, uh, man, just kind of pour over into our spirit. And it was something about Elisha that was magnetic to these guys that said, hey, we just want to be around you because when we're around you, we're better for God. And we just want to be with you, Elisha. Let me ask you something. Is, anybody, is there anybody in your life that, that that's, the, that's that individual for you? I've got people, man, when I get around them, I just feel closer to the Lord. I feel encouraged, listen, to be a better Christian. I hope tonight you've got somebody that's like that. And uh, you know, I hope maybe there's somebody in your life that encourages you. Let me say this. I hope you're that for somebody else. Come on now. I wonder if somebody would say, boy, I tell you what, if I ever want to just get close to God, I'm just going to call up brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so because, man, they are in touch. I wonder, would anybody ever say that about you? I hope that's the case. There are some people that I just like to be around because when I'm around them, they influence me to be better for God. Now, on the contrary, let me just say this. There are some people that I don't care to be around a whole lot. Can I get an amen tonight? All right, let, let's adjust our halos just a little bit, all right, in between the horns there and realize there are some people that I don't enjoy hanging out with. And uh, come on now. Um, I know we're probably, you know, I'll tell you what, live streams got me in trouble a lot lately. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've got a great, great friend of mine in West Virginia, Mark Seacrest, and he is a dear friend. And I was at a meeting preaching not too long ago, and he was, uh, he was supposed to be there and got sick, you know. And he's been bad sick in the hospital, and I just got up behind the pulpit, and I said, what kind of man wouldn't show up for a meeting? Just giving him a hard time. And, uh, oh, my, I didn't know he was watching. Oh, he called me, and he, he, said, he said, hey, old buddy, old pal. He's been pastoring for 38 years in West Virginia. And if you know Brother Mark, he's relentless. I mean, uh, and he's the kind of guy you don't want to cross. And he, he said, hey, he said, I might be sick. He said, but I'm not dead. And he said, he said, I was watching this morning. He said, I've still got my mind and my memory. And so for two and a half, three weeks, he's texting me every day, what kind of man wouldn't show up for a meeting? He texts me about 15 minutes ago for church with a gif, you know, a guy crying. And he has worn me out. So i got to be careful. So if he's watching tonight, I love you. And I'll expect a text from you in the morning, I'm sure. But, uh, well, some people just, you know, they just push your buttons. And, uh, by the way, don't be the button pusher in church, right? I had a lady uh, come up to me Sunday. I mean, man, I, I've been teaching through the book of Ruth. And, uh, well, what a, a beautiful picture of Christ and the church and that. And she come up to me. I was, talking to a, I was talking to some folks, and I just seen her waiting. She was a visitor. And uh, after they left, she said, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. And she come over, and she just kind of moved a little bit closer, and she said, I was greatly offended by something you said in Sunday school today. And I thought, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Glad you're here today. And uh, I said, well, okay. And uh, she just proceeded to tell me, she said, you kept saying that, that Boaz thought Ruth was a pretty woman. She, you said that she was a pretty lady. You said it three times, and that offended me. I said, okay. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, am I being punked right now? I was just looking around thinking, did somebody put you up to this? And, and she said, three times you said she's a pretty woman. I thought, well, she probably was, you know, or otherwise. Uh, I mean, I'm sure she had a great personality, but I'm sure he looked and thought, when he said, whose damsel is this? He wouldn't wonder where it was, you know, she employed at the moment. He was thinking, she's a beautiful lady. 
He wasn't thinking, you know, I wonder if I could hire this woman on my staff to help us be more efficient in our, you know, our productivity here in the field. He was thinking, whose damsel is this? You know, he's looking like, he's a good-looking woman. And uh, she said, you know, I've just never really been considered a, a pretty lady. And number one, I thought, I gave no qualifiers. I just said she was pretty. I didn't say she was tall, short, fat, you know, skinny, uh, brown, blonde, red. I just said, she's a pretty lady. And she, but I said, whoa, whoa. I said, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? And she said, well, yeah, I guess, but you know, and what I wanted to say is, well, you are beautiful. I just wanted to light into her and to just turn that thing around on her. But boy, she just let, she said, you know, I mean, and she let me have it. And I, you know what? I just took it. I said, thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. You know, I'm going to make a mental note next time. You know, Ruth is ugly. You know, she's an ugly woman. And so I'm going to straighten that out next time I get back in Sunday school. But you know, there's those people sometimes don't be that person. You know, uh, it's kind of funny when we talk about this, everybody kind of giggles and laughs and think, yeah, they're sitting behind me. But uh, I hope that's not the case in church tonight. If so, we need revival, amen, that's why we're here. But that's not the message, but I thought that helped you, amen. It really helped me Sunday. But there's an interesting part of this passage tonight I want to draw your attention to. Look with me in verse number five, if you would. Out of these sons of the prophet, there was one individual that God particularly he just kind of uh, highlighted. Now, sometimes God does things, and by the way, God never does things without a purpose. He don't just tell a story for the purpose of putting something in Scripture, because if that were the case, uh, the Bible says there's so many things that could have been written that if the books were filled, I mean, man, it would just, uh, th there wouldn't be place for the earth to hold all the things that God did. John 21 tells us that. And so God put this in here on purpose for us to learn from it. And in verse 5, we see this young man, the Bible says this, but as one was failing a beam, he was, then, I mean, just hacking at this tree. The Bible says the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. I want you to notice tonight, notice, if you would here in this passage, notice his labor. The Bible says, listen, he was working with these young men. I want you to see that he was not lazy in this project. He was laboring in this project. Are you following me tonight? This was not a person that was idly sitting by on the wall watching everybody else work. He was involved in the work that was going on. He was passionate about the project. Are you following me? He's not over there uh, being critical of it. He's being an active participant in it. So we see his labor. He's not lazy in the project. But then don't you notice the Bible tells us about his loss. It says this axe head that he's working with, this iron is lost into the water in the midst of the work. And when that takes place, it then leads us to this next logical conclusion and that is that there's a limitation now that this uh, young man is dealing with. Because now in the project he's been put in, listen, the work he's been given to do, he can take that axe handle and he can swing all he wants to to try and fell that tree. But the reality, the truth is we all know he's not going to do any good. Taking a stick and beating it against another stick is going to be, uh, listen, a pointless effort. You're not going to get anything accomplished through that effort. And so we see here that his intention and his involvement in the work was noteworthy, but right in the middle of it, here's what happened. Follow me now. He lost the ability to be effective in what he was doing. And can I just say this to you tonight? Sometimes in the work of God, people that are involved in the middle of the work of God, you know what can happen to us? Sometimes we can lose our, our passion. Sometimes we can lose our zeal, sometimes we can lose our effectiveness in the work of the Lord. I found that to be true. I found it to be true that sometimes there's people, listen, that are active participants in the middle of church. 
I mean, you're fighting the good fight. You're showing up for visitation. You're doing the things the church is doing. But sometimes in the middle of all that, you can find yourself swinging away, but not doing any good. It's almost like spiritually you've jumped on the treadmill, and man, you're moving at a fast pace, but you're not going anywhere. Have you ever felt that way before? And right here we have a picture of a young man uh, that, boy, he's involved in the project, but he's not effective in the work that's going on. And here's what I'm going to tell you. If I'm going to live for God, I don't want to have the mentality of put me on the treadmill and just let me walk. I don't want to do something. I want to be effective in the work of the Lord. I don't know about you tonight because I know there's a reckoning coming one day. Hey, there is a judgment coming one day. I'm going to stand before God and just to look busy does not mean, hey, busyness does not equal fruitfulness. Do you understand that? Just because you're busy does not mean that you're fruitful in the work of the Lord. I know some people that look busy, but God one of these days is going to come up and He's going to do an inspection to see whether or not uh, there's been any fruit. Paul said this, he said, I therefore run not as uncertainty, and so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Paul said this. He said, I want to run, but I don't want to run in circles. He said, I want to fight, but not as one that beateth the air. Paul said, I don't want to shadow box. I want to connect whenever I fight. And we ought to want to be that in the work of God. We shouldn't just want to run around in circles and think, well, you know, I'm busy, I'm busy. Yeah, but are you fruitful? Oh my, tonight we see in this passage here, hey, somebody involved in the work and that had lost the effectiveness in what they were doing. But you know what? Sometimes in the work of God, unbeknownst to us, we may have lost it. And tonight you may be here and think, no, I'm fine. Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit? Because He is the one that can really uh, be the arbiter of your heart and let you know where you're at. If, if we are subjectively judging ourselves and think, oh, I'm okay, every now and then we ought to open the Word of God and and sit before the Spirit of God and say, Lord, examine me. Examine my heart. You know, Lord, am I okay? Uh, God, am I effective as I used to be? And so tonight, I want us to look quickly and we'll be done. I want, I want you to see how, how do you get your edge back? How do you get your edge back? Well, here tonight we find in this passage a young man that's lost something that was important to him. And I, I want to show you three things from the Bible tonight, straight from Scripture, here in 2 Kings chapter 6. I want you to think about yourself. I don't want you to think about somebody else because here's the thing. You may think, boy, if so-and-so would have been here tonight, they've kind of been there. I've just kind of watched them taper off a little bit. They've been here, but they've not been as a... And by the way, again, just because you're running laps around the building don't mean nothing, okay? I mean, we can can give a good show uh, of appearance, uh, you know, a show in the flesh, but again, busyness does not mean fruitfulness. Three things tonight. Number one, I want you to consider this. Consider the attitude that was sober, number one tonight. The attitude that was sober. Look back with me, if you will, at verse number five. The Bible says this, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Let me say this to you tonight. The attitude that was sober. First of all, I want you to see the demonstrated sorrow. The demonstrated sorrow. Notice that little word tonight here in our text, the word alas. A-L-A-S, the word alas. If you will, it is an, it is an exclamation expressive of sorrow, grief, and concern. Are you following me tonight? This Lord, alas, it, again, it's an expression of sorrow, of grief, and of concern when he realized he was no longer effective in the work that God had given him to do. I'm just going to say it like this. It bothered him. It bothered him. When he realized 
Things are not what they need to be. It bothers them. Can I ask you a question tonight? Hey, listen, I love this church, and I love you, preacher, and I want to help you tonight. So let me ask you this. Does it ever bother you that you don't have the joy in your life like you used to? I mean, listen, as they were singing, he's always been faithful. I'm going to tell you what should have happened in your heart. It should have been the joy of the Lord that began to bubble up on the inside, reminding you of his goodness in your life. Hey, there should have been some joy. And there's some tears coming out of my eyes a minute ago thinking about what God's done for me. But I, I wonder, does it ever bother you that joy's not in your heart like it used to be? Or can you just come and sit through a service like you always have and you're just here? You see, you're present, but boy, you're not passionate anymore. You see, you're busy, but you're not fruitful anymore. You're swinging, but you're not connecting. You're running, but it's in circles. I wonder tonight, does it bother you? I wonder, does it bother you that you're maybe not as close to God as you used to be? Can I just be honest with you and transparent with you? I, I come to terms in reality a few months back that there's been some times in my life that I've been closer to God than what I was at the moment. And I got convicted thinking about that. I thought, Lord, there's been times in my life that I've been closer to you. I've been in ministry for a long time. But you know what? It ought to do it ought to bother me when I come to that understanding. I wonder, does it bother you when you don't read your Bible? You know what's amazing? If we can show up for church, if we can show up for revival, and if we took a poll of how many people read your Bible prior to coming to revival this week, we'd be shocked. We really wouldn't be shocked. At, you know, did you spend time in the Word of God? Well, I read a verse. Well, good. I'm glad you read a verse. But, I mean, if that's not your practice, maybe your habit is to spend some time in it. Does it bother you that you don't read it? Does it bother you? Listen, this man demonstrated a broken spirit, and he was sorrowful when he realized something wasn't right. The problem is, in a lot of churches, is this. People are just not bothered anymore. They come to church, and the preacher preaches, and you know what happens? They leave unbothered. Hey, they can realize in the middle of what's being said, something's not right, but here's the thing. They just don't care. They just don't care. Uh, listen, I, I've been preaching to teenagers for a long time. never been a youth pastor, but I've been a, a school teacher for 20 years. I'm going to tell you what, working with high school kids, that'll make, that'll make you either lose your mind or lose your mind, one or the other. I mean, uh, you only got two choices. You're eventually going to lose it. Uh, but you know what I've realized, man, trying to minister to them? Eventually, they just get to the place where it does not bother them anymore. And they sit there and in their heart singing, I shall not be moved. <laughs> but you know what? Adults are just as bad sometimes. And I'm not coming at you tonight. I wouldn't even go preach this. Here's what I want to tell you. If God's going to do a work in your life, then sometimes you need to look in the mirror spiritually and realize if things are not what they need to be, that should bother you should bother you. You know, there was a there's a king in the Old Testament. I don't recall right off the top of my head. It might have been Uzziah, I think it was, when he went against God and did something wrong. You know what the Bible says that he got leprosy. He got leprosy. The Bible says he got leprosy in his forehead. You know what's something interesting about your forehead? You can't see your own forehead. You ever notice that? I mean, if you can, that's impressive. You've got eyes. You, your eyes are impressive. <laughs> Squeeze them out and look at it. You know, if you can do that, there's probably something wrong with you, pal. You can't see your own forehead, but you know what? Everybody else can. And the problem sometimes is this, is that everybody else can see there's something wrong in your life, but you can't see it yourself. And by the way, I'm just as guilty as the rest of us are sometimes. I wonder tonight, and we see this demonstrated sorrow 
He said, alas, Master. It bothered him. There's times when the Spirit of God's convicted me. It's bothered me. Yeah, but you know what? I want it to bother me. I don't ever want to get to the place where, listen, I'm not convicted anymore. And boy, there's times the Holy Spirit does that to me. And he'll, he'll wake me up and just remind me. Hey, I'll go to bed after yelling at my kids. You say, yelling at your kids. Well, I mean, it may not be violently, but I may be, uh, I may be upset that they interrupted something I was watching or, you know, just got in my space. And sometimes the Holy Spirit just wake me up and say, hey, was that okay? It bothers me. And so tonight we see this. We see a demonstrated sorrow. Nextly, uh, secondly, tonight we see this. We see a, a disappointed steward. A disappointed steward. He, he said, for it was borrowed. The axe, listen, wasn't his to begin with. It was given to him for a purpose. We'll say that again. The axe was not his to begin with. It was given to him for a purpose. And the one that gave it to him expected him to take care of it. The one that lent him that axe said, I'm going to give you this, but I'm expecting you to take care of it. And I'm giving it to you for a purpose. Are you following me tonight? Hey, listen, you are not your own. You're bought with a price. And what God's given to you, He didn't give to you for your benefit. He gave to you for one purpose, and that was to bring glory to Him with it. And sometimes we walk around acting like owners instead of stewards. You know, sometimes we, act, we walk around thinking, well, this is mine. It's not yours. You know, I mean, if somebody lends something to me, uh, then, uh, you know, I mean, Brother Jesse, uh, give me his guitar, which he wouldn't because I wouldn't know what to do with it. You know, just hold it and be like, hey, I'm something. I know how to play it. But you know what? I'd be careful with it. I wouldn't just take it and throw it in the back of my car. You know why? Because he, he let me borrow it. It's his. And I want to take care of that. And God give you some things tonight. And he expects you to use it for his glory. And let me just say this to you. The axe wasn't his to begin with, but he could do nothing without it in the work. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Amen. Tonight, we're nothing without him in our life and the work of God. We're nothing. When we get to the place where we think, I've got it figured out, I can lead to singing, I can preach, I can witness, I can parent, I can, whatever the case may be, you fill in the blank. If we ever get to the place where we're independent of him, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. You know, the king I was talking about a minute ago, Uzziah, the Bible says about him, the Bible says he was greatly helped till he was strong. And when he becomes strong in his own strength, he blew it. Tonight, I'll tell you something, you need his help in your life. We need his help. How often we mishandle what God's given to us to faithfully steward. The Bible says, moreover, it's required from stewards that a man be found faithful. Let me say this tonight. We're talking about the attitude that was sober. I said there was a demonstrated sorrow tonight. There was a, a disappointed steward, but then it's evident in the passage there's, listen, we see the development stopped. The Bible tells us that in the process of things being accomplished, the edge is lost, the work comes to a halt. And you know, oftentimes, I'm just going to say this to you, we can look at somebody and they stop working. And boy, you know, how many of you, I mean, if you're working hard and all of a sudden somebody stops and just sits down, you know what you want to do? Well, if he's going to take a break, I'm going to take a break. Man, I'll tell you what, I, I've been working hard over here. And sometimes that can be contagious. We'll see somebody else take a seat and think, well, if, if they're done, then I'm done. Come on now. You know what I never want to do? I never want to, I never want to do something to create another person uh, to quit on God, if you will. I don't want my, the actions of my life to dictate themselves in such a way where somebody else looks at me and says, well, if he's not going to do it anymore, then why should I do it? 
I worry. I worry about that. There, there's a young man that was uh, close to Micah, and I, I've told this story before. I, I don't know that I told it here, but he was a bus captain at our church, and he was very influential over my son. And uh, Micah's fixing to be 18, about a month or so. And so he was very influential. This was about two years ago, and this young man, I mean, just in a lot of ways, influenced my son's life. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of everything that was going on, he just completely quit on God. He quit church. He quit everything. I mean, just disconnected all of it and cut everybody off that was, you know, a part of his life. Said he didn't even believe in God anymore. And it shook my son. I mean, it shook. Hey, my teenage son that grew up, nothing but church his whole life, third generation Christian. You know what? It shook him. You know why? Because somebody else laid their axe down. He said this. He said, Dad, if somebody like him would quit on God, then he said, why? He said, then who am I to, you know, to think that maybe I wouldn't want to quit? He said, if he don't believe there's a God anymore, he said, it made me doubt. You know what? I, I pray two things every day. I pray, number one, God, never let me be a castaway. And then number two, never let me be a stumbling block. I don't want to lay down in the middle of the road and make somebody else stumble. Hey, there's some kids that are, hey, there's some young people uh, that are watching and uh, the ministry that I've been in uh, for a long time, we got a couple hundred kids in our Christian school and there'll be some of them just walk down the hallway like this. I'm thinking, oh man, I'm about to get slobber all over me, you know. They just hug me. And you know what they say? You're our chapel teacher, you know. I'll preach their chapel sometimes and they just love me. They'll hug my leg. You know what, man? They think, hey, there's a preacher. I don't want to, I don't want to be a stumbling block to that. Oh my goodness. The work, hey, the development stopped in the middle of all of it. I don't, then don't you see this secondly tonight? Secondly, I want you to see the action that was specific. We're not going to be much longer, but I want you to stay with me. The action that was specific. We see the attitude that was sober, but then tonight in the past we see the action that was specific. Uh, verse 6, the man of God said this, Where hell it? And he showed him the place and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither. I want you to watch a couple things here. First of all, I want you to see this, the counsel he received. The counsel he received, the Bible says, and the man of God said. Well, I want you to consider the counsel he's been given. First of all, hey, this counsel's favored. <laughs> the counsel was somebody that was favored by God. It was the man of God. And he realized when something wasn't right in his life, you know what he thought? He thought, man, I need to get some help. And he didn't go, listen, to Google to find the latest self-help book. Hey, Siri, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, put, you know, put the latest self-help book in my Amazon cart and purchase. No, he didn't do that. He didn't look at three easy steps to get your axe, you know, to get your edge back. <laughs> What's well, a 12-step program? If you'll go through that, you'll get, your, you'll get your edge back at the end, you know. It'll be your badge. And listen, by the way, we have people in our church that work in good godly programs and, you know, some that work in secular things, but I'm just saying. I'm saying sometimes we need to make sure we're getting help from the right sources. Make sure you're getting help from the right place. Hey, don't go drinking from the cisterns of the world. How stupid is that? Me and my son, we were talking the other day, and sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes kids will say stuff, and you just want to, you just want to slap them, you know? I think, oh, forgive me, you know? Or, oh, my, I, sometimes I, it needs to wither up because I just want to swing it. And, uh, you know, with the, some questions we're asking, you know, well, what, is just about, what about just a general psychologist? He's like, well, why do we even got to take psychologists? That's a great question because they're messed up, man. And you get in those, you know, the, these general psychology classes and, the, and they want to tell you that it was somebody else's fault that you are the way you are. No, it's your fault. And you need to know that. Amen. That was really loud right there. I about broke the pulpit. 
Easy, Brett. Easy now. Brett just woke up. He about fell out of the balcony. Come on now. Hey, but the truth is, it's our fault. And if we're not careful, we start believing uh, the lies of what somebody else says, what somebody else thinks. You know, we'll sit there and read stuff online. Well, you know, so-and-so thinks this. Oh, and the world's crazy, crazy. You've got to, and listen, and we don't need to be drinking from that. Hey, there's some churches, oh my goodness. I teach a, a cultural issues class in, in our, to our high school. And just this past week, there was the, the University of Duke. Divinity United Methodist. So that's a mouthful. At, at the University of Duke, they have a United Methodist church there, and a woman, they just started this a few weeks ago on March the 22nd of 2022, and basically the church is built on the premise that God is gay. Church, okay? And here is how she welcomed the congregation. I showed a three-minute clip in my class. Here's how she welcomes the congregation. She says this. She said, good morning, just like that, real annoying. She said, the holy and queer one be with you. I about fell out, man. I thought, God, you're going to blow this computer up right here on my desk. I kept watching, and she led the congregation together in the prayer. She said, you can pray with us together on the screen. And it's talking about God. Here's how she started. She says, strange one, unique one. And she starts talking to whatever this God is. And she said, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother. She said, your drag queen and trans man. And she went on. And I thought, you know what? The world's crazy, man. We're just talking about some things going on in our society. Hey, that's the world we're living in. Hey, make sure you're drinking from the right fountain when it comes to counsel. Don't just look for, hey, don't just look for advice that agrees with you. Make sure you're getting counsel from somebody that's favored. There's a lot of preaching stuff that wasn't supposed to be tonight. But you know what? Obviously, uh, maybe you needed to hear that. I hit the pulpit, and then the Lord just said, say that again. Amen. So, but let me say this. Not only was it favored counsel, it was followed. <laughs> Can I just say this to you? No matter how great the counsel is that somebody gives you, it's zero good to you if you don't follow it. Well, there'll be some times that we'll labor and, and counsel, and, I, and I'll do marriage counsel. I do, do a number of different things at our church there and do a lot of counsel. And there's times somebody sit across from your desk and you'll say, hey, let me show you what the Bible says. Here's what I think Scripture would, you know, uh, lead you to do. And they'll listen to your counsel and then they'll go away and do exactly what they want to do. Sometimes, hey, when we get counsel, and uh, maybe, the, the, by the way, the preacher's not always right. He'll tell you that. But if it's God leading him to say something to you, maybe it'd be a good idea to follow that counsel. And so we see here the counsel he received. Then don't you watch this, the consideration he rehearsed. The question was this, where fell it? Where fell it? The man of God asked him a provoking question because he wanted him to think about where were you when you lost it? What did you lose and where were you when you lost it? He wanted him to think about that question. Hey, where were you, have you ever lost something of value to you? And boy, you started thinking, where did I leave that thing? You know, what did I do with it? I remember getting, uh, a couple years back, my wife bought me a brand new, uh, a brand new set of, of Power Beats. They were about $250 to run with. And me and dad run a lot of races together. And I remember taking it right after Christmas that we run a race. And man, in the middle of all of it, I took it off and wasn't thinking about it. And me and dad was talking, got home. It was about 11 o'clock at night and I started looking around and feeling, and it hit me. I had no idea where those things were. Man, I went into a panic. My wife paid 
almost $300 for those things. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And you know how you do, boy, you start racking your brain, kind of like when you lose your kids. Where did I leave them? Where did I leave them? You know? <laughs> and you start thinking, and, I, and it hit me. I thought, I remember the last place I left them in these bushes. Hundreds of people, and I thought, somebody picked it up. I'd already accused people in my mind and heart. I remember driving all the way back there about 35 minutes to where we was at the race. You know what? I drove up the streets where lights were out, streets were clear. And I went, and you know what? I looked underneath that bush, and right there where I left it, where I lost it, there it's at. And I was thinking, thank you, Lord. But you know where it was? Right where I left it. And he said this. He said, where were you when you lost it? Where fell it? You know what? I did some time back. I took this three-by-five card and just wrote the word the edge on it. You know what I started thinking about? Where was I in my life when I felt like I really had effectiveness and fruit in my life for God? And I just began to jot some things down. You know what happened, Brother Tim, as I did that? I started realizing that some of those things on this card were not being done in my life at that time like they used to be. Some of those things in my life, you know what I tried to do? I, I tried to say, Lord, where fell it? Where was I spiritually when I really had a heart for you, God, and a heart for people you know what the Lord began to show me? He began to point some things out to me in my own life. I wonder tonight, where were you when, I mean, when God really meant something to you? Where were you when you had joy that more would just bubble up? Where were you when really you had a passion for people and for the Word of God? I wonder tonight, what a provoking question that was. We see this as we close. We see the answer that was supernatural. Oh my, look with me, if you will, in verse 6. He said, where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick, and he cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore, he said, take it up to thee, and put out his hand. The Bible says that he took it. Can I say this tonight? That it'll take the divine power of God to restore what you once had. He can do it. He can do it. You know what? What you once had in your life, hey, God can give it to you, and he can do it better than he's ever done it in your heart. He can help you to be effective. There are sometimes we lose things and maybe there's not going to be complete restoration of a position, but God can do something in your heart like He's done it before. But you've got to realize this. Where was I when I was like that? What was I doing? Maybe, hey, it could just be as simple as this. I'm just not reading my Bible consistently. Hey, it might have been a place where we're using the Word of God every day. We're just praying consistently. Hey, listen, you cared about somebody else to reach out to them. Now, if this is missing you tonight, just because you're not listening. Because the honest truth is, is, all of us have been in a place where in the work, in the middle of the project, and we might have just, we might have unbeknownst to us, lost something we used to have. And we, we've got to look at this thing and realize, oh, where was I when I lost it? I want you to see this. How do you get it back? Well, tonight, there was an unlikely method. An unlikely method. You know what, you know what the prophet said? He said, cut down a stick and cast it in thither. Well, let me just ask you something. How would that make you feel? Well, preacher, what should I do? I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Yeah. All right, God told me. Okay, preacher, I'm ready. Go out in your front yard and cut a stick down, and that ought to fix it. Are you serious? Cut a stick down and throw it in? What? You know, and I don't know what was going through his head. And by the way, I've heard what, what a great picture that would be of the cross, Right? I mean, I've heard that preached before, and I, the wonderful in typology, but tonight, here's what I want you to think about. You know, sometimes God often uses unlikely methods and circumstances to bring about the supernatural in our life. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about Joshua just marching around a city over and over again and not saying nothing? 
Naaman dipping seven times in a muddy river. Isaiah walked naked for three and a half years. I'm glad he never asked me to do that. Thank God. Hey, Jesus rubbing uh, you know, mud in the eyes of a man. And Elisha just cut down a stick and threw it in the water. You know what? God often works, listen, in ways that sometimes don't make sense to us. And you know what that means? You just got to trust Him. Sometimes God will put you in a place and He'll just say this, do you trust me? Yeah, God. Well, then here's what you need to do. And you say, well, that don't make any sense at all. I know, but do you trust me? And would you do it? It was an unlikely method, but then I want you to see this tonight. It was an undeniable miracle. The Bible says this, the iron did swim. That's impossible, by the way, unless God gets involved in it. God did a miracle for this man, but I want you to notice what followed. We're done. I want you to notice what followed. He recognized it. This is the reason I preach this, and I, I, I believe. I don't want you to miss this. He recognized it. It was floating. Watch this now. And he's seen it. It was floating, and he's seen it. Here's what I'm afraid happens sometimes. Brother Jesse, I'm afraid sometimes we're walking through life, and we're begging for God to do something. And the Lord wants to do something supernatural in our life and puts us in a place where He could do it. And sometimes God's doing it and we miss it. We miss it. Could you imagine? Here this, here this axe head is. It don't belong to Him. And listen, He's trying to figure out how to get it. And the man of God cuts down the stick and He throws it in. And the, listen, the head floats to the top of the water. But if He never sees it, He never gets it back. Had he missed it, he'd have missed his miracle. I wonder how many people have missed their miracle. I wonder how many people that God wanted to do something for you, and he was working on your behalf, but you wouldn't pay attention, and you missed it. You just missed it. One night, man, they showed up, and God walked through the walls, and he breathed on everybody. But there's somebody that wasn't there. He missed it. Well, don't miss what God wants to do. Listen, I, I want to I say this to you. He recognized it, and then the Bible says this, take it up to thee. He reached for it. Sometimes the reason you don't get what you want or get what you need is because you're not reaching for it. Boy, you just show up thinking, well, I'm here for revival. Yeah, I wonder, did you come saying, God, I need it. Lord, I need it, and I don't want to miss it. And maybe there's something you want to do for me. And God, if you let the iron float to the top of the water, I want you to know, Lord, I'm reaching out because I need you to do something in my life. Oh, God, help us, listen, to not have a series of services. <laughs> hey, I don't want to just drive six and a half hours to just go through the motions of church. I want God to make the iron swim again. And if he does, don't miss it if he does it for you. God could show you, hey, here's what I want to do in your life, and here it is. If you just reach out and get it, and sometimes we want God to pick it up and just hit us in the face with it before we get it. He's not going to do that, though. It's going to, you're going to have to do your part. The Bible says he reached for it, and he received it. And tonight, Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. 
If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.